So we'll just come together with prayer before we study God's word. Heavenly Father, I ask you, Lord, to pour truth through me this morning, Father. I pray, Lord, as we come to understand who you are, Lord, through this sermon series, Lord, sola scriptura, Lord. I pray, Father, for your hand to be upon me in every shape and form. I pray for your Holy Spirit, Lord, to speak through me this morning. And I pray, God, for each person here that this will fall heavily on their hearts, Lord. I pray, God, that we can be changed, Lord, not by our own doing, our own merit, Father, but by your Spirit this morning, cultivating our hearts, Lord, through this word and allowing us to see the beauty of who you are, Father. And I just ask you, Lord, to be with us now in Christ Jesus' name. Amen. I said last week that uh, Sola Scriptura was going to be, last week was an introductory week. This week we were going to get into the meat of the bone when we were going to look at sovereignty and, and the, uh, how God ordains all things. And, and really, we're going to, I'm putting that off to next week. I was really studying again the, the, this week and I keep coming back to, I think we have to start with the existence of God before we can look at the attributes of God. I think that this series is really going to be a very important series for us, for us to un- truly come to the understanding of, of how the gospel works, as in the predestination, the election of the saints, how the gospel works with regards to making us aware of our fallen, broken, sinful state before a holy God and the leading of which into repentance, for us to understand Horrific things that happen throughout the world. Next week I'm going to be tackling how sovereignty, how God's ordination, how his will, his plan even is in the midst of rape, in the midst of terrorism, in the midst of natural disasters. And how we as Christians should not shy away from trying to protect God in elements that for some may be hard to explain, but that we get into Scripture and we understand better who God is and how God works all things and how we can look at His, his commanded will, which is a will that we can break, although we should not, and then His elected will and things that we cannot change, as in we have no way to stop the sun from rising tomorrow, but we understand that He commands us not to kill, He commands us not to murder, He commands us not to commit adultery, and how all these things are going to be shaped and formed into his sovereign plan we're going to look at free will and how that really truly is biblically explained and over the next couple of weeks we are going to delve into very much depths of theology very much what people would deem to be reformed theology so we can understand God understand the scriptures pointing to scriptures as we're looking at it through the lens of sola scriptura scripture Basically expounding scripture, setting aside our preconceived ideas, setting aside how we want to shy away from uh, attributing certain circumstances to God. But ultimately at the end for us to come to the truth and the knowledge to realize that if there was even one molecule, one atom, one dust mote, something that floats around the air that you can see when the sun shines through the window. If God was not ordaining the path of even that speck of dust, therefore there could be something in this world that could cause his promises, his covenants, not to come to fruition. And how to say something like that is to say that God is not God, because God then would not have total and ultimate sovereign control over every single aspect and every single breath that you breathe. And for us to come to that realization is to come to understand that God is God. And that that is to be a true theist. And anything outside of that is ultimately to be an atheist. So next week, we're going to look at sovereignty. We're going to look at ordination. And I'm going to look at whether or not we're truly 
theists or whether we're truly atheists. That's next week. I think this morning is important. Again, it's, it's an introductory element to God. But I want to just read in Hebrews 11, chapter, or Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, and try to understand what this term means better for us before we continue on in this sermon series. So it reads in chapter 11, verse 6, And without faith, it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. Read it again. And without faith it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists. And that he rewards those who seek him. Now that's, we could spend weeks just in that passage of understanding that term draw. Of understanding many terms that are in that and the elements that are in that. But one word that I want us to come to this morning is the word that says he exists. Now, I am a big advocate of the ESV Bible. I love the ESV. I think it is the closest thing to the true translation of the word. I'm not a fan of the NIV or the NLT and definitely not of the message. But I also understand that whatever you need to read that helps you understand the scriptures on whatever level, you read that. But if you want to understand scripture, we want to understand the closest thing to reading the Greek ourselves. We need to get to a Bible translation that is an expositor of itself and of the Greek. That being said, the ESV lets me down here massively. This is why I don't hold just to one translation. We constantly want to be reading different translations. If you read the New King James, if you read the King James, I know there's some people here that have the New King James, if you read the American Standard Version, it does not equate the existence of God. What the King James, New King James and ESV says, whoever would draw near to God must believe he is not he exists. This is paramount. For us who someone comes to you and says, do you believe God exists? You can say to them completely and openly and wholeheartedly standing upon the truth of scripture and go absolutely not. I do not believe that God exists. I believe God is. Why is that important? Very quick. Look at the Latin words and the root of where we get the word existence from. We understand that the existence comes from the word Ex is stere. And ex in ex is stere, the Latin word. Ex means come out of. Okay? Estere means to stand. So by you saying that God exists, you are contributing creaturely attributes to God who is not a creature. He is a being. So we do not say that God ex to come out of something and to stand. He was not created as we are. We exist because we were created. We say that God is. It's how God describes himself to Moses. Whenever God says, I am who I am, you could say, he is who he is. Immediately you can say, well, is this really important? It is massively important whenever we come to understand who God is. God is true and pure being. There is no existence in him, on him, or around him. Everything that is Outside of him is existence, is creaturely, is becoming. In other words, I am a human being. What does that mean? It means that I was created from the true, pure being that is God, and I am a being. I have come from. I have ex out of God and stood. I have existed from God's creation. Massive understand who we are and who God is. 
If we go deeper with that, to understand that, what we have to understand is that if we understand what a creature is and what a being is, we have to separate the two massively. God being a being and God is means that he is the same yesterday, he is the same today, and he is the same tomorrow. You are not a being as in pure being. You are a human being, which means you are becoming, you're changing. Stick with me. What does that mean? It means that a flower is a creature. It is becoming. It changes. It is a seed. It grows. It blooms. It flowers. Every single second of every single day, it's changing. You right now are different than where you were when you walked through the door. You might not see it. You might not be able to understand it. But if we could quicken up the process, that's how you go from looking how you did whenever you were six to looking how you are whenever you're 66. You are becoming something new. You are changing all the time because you are not a true, pure being. You are from the only true being, God. You, that's why we exist. That's why trees exist. That's why bees exist. That's why the clouds exist. That's why the space exists. That's why the universe exists. It all came from being. God, pure, is Nothing changes ever, ever, ever. He was not created before God. There was God. He is always. The problem with that is that people start to attribute causality to God and saying, well, well, something has to happen to cause that effect. Something has to happen to cause us to be here. We had to be created. And we can go through every single thing in, in life that is creaturely to get back to the being which is God. But the ultimate answer is when you get to God, there is no causality. Because He is. There is no was. There is, he is the same. He will always be the same. God is. So when we read that again, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please Him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe He is. Because the demons believe that he exists. There's plenty of people today that believe in gods. But they do not believe in the true, only, ever being which is God that created everything. And everything that that is and everything that was and everything that is to come came from him. That's why we're human beings. We follow? So if someone says to you, do you believe God exists? You go, no, I do not believe that God exists came out of something and stood. I do not believe that something created God. I believe that he is. And we attribute that to God and only ever that to God. And we never do what it's saying here to say that we believe that he exists. Go back to the King James ESV and learn the true meaning of that word. And let's not use words that define God in a way that does not bring his true attributes to the fore. And this is a problem we're going to look at whenever we look at the progression of Sola Scriptura. Is how we attribute things to God that have no place and no, no business being anywhere near God. We also understand whenever we will touch on really briefly, you don't have time to go into more depth of it today, if God is being and everything that is from God acts out of that being, creaturely created and is becoming and changing through age or whatever it is, we also have to look at the Trinity. We understand that the Trinity, if God is being, there is not three beings within that being. There is one being and there's three substances, hugely important, three substances within that being. God is, and there's three substances of that being and of that is. There's not three other B 
beings. One being, three substances. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. All those things we have to attribute to God. We may not think that this is important, but I guarantee you as we progress and we understand who God is, and we look at who God is through Scripture and how God works because He is, then we can understand in our creature before we will never fully understand the depths of what He is doing. Therefore, we come to Him in faith. Yes? Amen. Is God, does God exist? No. God is. Amen? Amen. Amen. So if we understand that God is a pure being, what else can we understand with that? We can have many different attributes of Jaladan, a couple of them here, just so I could remember. If God is, then there is, then God is a pure being, then there never was a beginning. We have to attribute that to God. If God is, then there never was a time whenever he wasn't. He is always the same. He was never beginning. Yes, there was no universe. There was no space. There was no creation. There was no darkness. There was nothing. There only ever was God. Everything that has come from that is from God. Yes? Another important thing to understand is that if he is, then he is never ending. He is never becoming, he is never changing, he has no attributes of, of creation that we understand how things, that how things progress, how things move on, how things die. God is never ending. Yes, you understand that? Next important one is the complete independence of God. He needs nothing to sustain himself because he is. We, however, who are human beings, out of God, who is being, we depend on God for everything. You depend on God for your breath. You depend on God for him to fall rains upon this world. We depend on God for absolutely every single thing in our lives, down to our heartbeat. We are dependent upon that being. He, however, is not dependent on anything. If he's not, we understand that he's completely independent. We have to understand that, that everything that is not uh, God depends on God for existence and that he is constant to be is, to be being. The same. We want to know that we believe in a God who is the same. This is a massive thing that is trying to erode the immutability of God's word. Trying to take away the fact that, well, that's the God of the Old Testament. People want to get into dispensationalism. People want to get into different dispensations of how God worked and how God has changed and how God of the Old Testament was an evil, harsh, mean God and praise the Lord that we have Jesus now who is a gentle, soft, meek, loving God because God has changed. No, God has not changed because God is. He is not like you. He is not like me. He cannot change because He is. He is Completely constant. And because he is completely constant, he is the author of love. God did not go to look at what love should be. He was the author of love. His love is pure. His love is undefiled. He is the one that said, this is what love is going to be. Therefore, he created love itself. He's the same thing when it comes to justice. He is the author of true, defined justice. 
If you want to be a judge, you have to go and learn what justice is. You have to learn the laws. You have to learn the rules. God himself set forth the principles of what justice should be because he is the author. He is constant. He is a being and he says all things. That's why if we had time to look into the, the depths of how evolution is debunked now because many different scientists now are coming to a creator uh, not theology, but a, a creator from a scientific point of view, that if our world was any bigger, then we wouldn't have the atmosphere. If it was any smaller, we wouldn't have a right atmosphere. If we were even a slight one degree away from the sun, we'd be too cold, or one degree the other way, would be too hot. Everything is designed. Everything has been authored. Everything has been set in motion by the being who is. Everything. We also have to understand that, that if he's the author of justice, then that Everything he does is right. Every single thing that he does, we can look to, the God, look to our God and say, well, it's right. Because you are the author of what is just. You are the author of what is true. You are the author of what is loving. You are the author of everything. You are the sustainer of everything. And everything is in your hands. And everything moves and bows and yields to your sovereign decree and your will because you are the only being and we are all becoming what you want us to become. And then ultimately we have to finish with he is worthy. Worthy of what? All our praise. Why? Because he is and we are not. It's the principle that brings us back to why the gospel is needed because we want to be him. We want to be God. We want to be our own author of what we see to be love, what we see to be justice, what we see to be scriptural, what we see to be and what ultimately brings us glory. That's why we have to run from that. That's why the the devil came to Adam and Eve and said to them that they could be just like God. It's what is innately in us and what is depraved about us is the fact that we reject the truth, reject his authority, reject his being and reject that he is. Because we want things a certain way. It's even why we have such bad doctrine that is, we're going to be looking at next week. As I said, we'll try not to go too deep today because we're going to get to the, the deep stuff next week. But we have to start to see God that he is. Whom will I say sent me? I am who I am. Whom will I say sent me? God who is. And ultimately, when we come to reading that that passage again, if you read it with me, it says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe all that, that he is. And that he rewards those who seek him. I wish I could go in, and there's so much in that, but I'll I'll look at that briefly. And he rewards those who seek him. We're not going to have time to look at how the seeking process works and how it's God who calls us to him. But we understand that if you believe he is, then you also have to believe that there is rewards for those who believe that he is. If you believe that he is Jesus, if you believe that when Jesus walked this earth, that he was the the fullness of God, he was the true God-man, veiled in flesh, 
that walked this earth, that paid the atonement for our sins. If you believe that it is his atonement and only his atonement, your works are like nothing. Your works are like filthy rags. If you've come to the knowledge through the Holy Spirit, through his hand that has touched you and enlightened you to the depravity, the depraved state in which you live in, and that you have chosen through that means in which he chose you to repent of your sins and to give your life to him, then you have to believe in what it says there, that there is rewards. What is the reward? Come to me, my faithful servant, and inherit eternal life. So to believe that he is, is to believe in his true justice that is to come for everybody who does not believe that he is, and the fact that they will be sent to eternal darkness and damnation to the world, weeping and gnashing of teeth, that is hell. That's one of the principles that we have to look at here when it comes to faith in who God is. He is a righteous, true God who will just each and every one of us based upon did we or did we not accept Jesus Christ. And we're going to look at next week. Briefly read it yourselves this week when we delve into Romans 8 in particular, Romans 9 and, and Romans 10. Whenever we look at whenever Paul himself, when he expounds exactly what we're going to look at next week, he even says, well, and who can find fault? And he says, who are you, O oh man, to question who God chooses? And who God is. We have to believe who God is. And we have to believe in the attributes of God. Now this morning I could spend a lot of time going through the many different scriptures that define who God is. And what I want to do is I want to play a quick clip that I want you to really think about whenever it comes to your understanding of who God is and how God works. And we're going to go from Genesis here all the way through to Revelation. We're going to look at every single definition of who God is. And I want you to to soak in these words and to realize this morning, no matter what you're facing this week, no matter what hardships you're facing this week, if God is, and if God is sovereign, and if God has foreknown and foreordained that whatever you're facing today is His will, even if you're one of the people who are the parent of those people who were butchered last night by those who decided and chose to break God's commanded will and do the very thing that God commanded them not to do, all while being a part of His permissive will where He allowed it to happen because God could stop it at any single point. But we have to understand that we fall back to Scripture and look at how they chose it for an evil, but God used it for his honorable use. We could delve into many different passages. We could jump in to whenever uh, Joseph is being sold by his brothers. And at the very end, when they come back together, whenever they're in Egypt, and Joseph says, what you meant for evil, God used for good. We have to understand who God is. We have to have faith in who God is. And when we come to look at passages from Genesis all the way to Revelation, cling to, soak in, underline your Bible, whatever it is that is going to hold you like a rock this week in the midst of whatever situation that you're going to face, in the midst of the devil trying to steal away your faith that God is. So we want to play it together. And as you watch it, there's many words here. Many of them are the original Hebrew description of God, like Yahweh, which basically means He is. Look at them and realize who God is and how He chose you and the strength that we have and the faith that we have in God Almighty, the true and only pure being that never changes. The same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen? Watch the eye. So God must believe that He is. He is. 
Christ of God, my servant, the chosen of God, Yeah. 
Our God does not exist. Our God is not creaturely. Our God is. We have time to individually go through each one of those words and those attributes of God whenever we believe that God is. His scripture becomes alive to show us the depths of what it means for him to be is. All those things we heard there, you can equate whichever one spoke to your heart the most. Whether it be the fact that he is the author, the perfecter of your faith. He is your true hope. He is the everlasting. He is the almighty. He is God. He is the one that will sanctify you if you are going through the midst of the pain and the guilt of the sanctification process. And know that he is the one that will sanctify you. Yes, you fight. Yes, you pray. But your works will not sanctify you. It is God. He is your sanctifier. He is your atonement. He is your purifier. He is your hope. He is your sustainer. He is your joy. He is your truth. He is. That's why we have to start there. Before we go any further with Sola Scriptura. To know that God is. Someone asks you, does God exist? You can now tell them joyfully and lovingly, my God does not exist. As Buddha may exist in which you talk about, my God is. There only ever was Him. He is the beginning. He is the end. He is the Alpha. He is the Omega. And you can bring them right throughout Scripture that we've just done for that 10 minutes to see a glimpse of who God is. And as we progress over the next weeks, we are going to expound His Word to fully understand the depths of who He is. Amen. Let's stand together, we'll close in prayer, and we'll sing to the Lord for who He is. We will sing that that it is well with our soul because of who He is. And we will thank Him this morning for His Word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, we thank You, Lord, that You are God who is. Father, we thank You that we have come from You, that we exist, Lord, because of You. That everything that we have exists because of You, Father. But everything that is you, Father, is always the same. It never changes, Father. That is why we cling to our hope in the midst of any situation that we have you, O God, and that you are always the same. And Father, I just pray now as we come to worship, as we come to sing, that we can understand who it is that we are singing to, Father. God, you are mighty. There is not enough words for us to describe who you are. And you are holy, holy, Holy Father, we praise you this morning. We thank you for this word this morning. Father, may this seep in. May we come to the realization of who you are, God. 
and who we are. And start to equate the power and the authority and the truth and the justice of you, Father God, rightfully to you, Lord, no matter what the situation, Father. May we not run trying to protect your name, Father, but may we run to your word and show others who you are. Whenever you said, I am who I am, Father God, we want to say he is who he is and show those who do not believe Father God and have the faith to believe today or tomorrow, whatever day you grace us with, with the presence of evangelism, Lord, that we point people to the true, the almighty, the living, the everlasting, the same today, tomorrow and yesterday, Father, the Alpha and the Omega, God, the true pure being, Father God, because you are God who is. Father, we praise you for your word this morning. May you be with us now as we come to sing, Father God, because of that fact, and to sing that it truly is well with our souls. Father, be with us, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.